Welcome to the final episode of Demil Belgi Argentina Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is a Canadian who is still waiting for a Belgian to send him a custom sweatshirt, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It is time to finish the first part of our secret project. Yes, we got through this. We've been recording about, what, at least two two podcasts a week for the past for the past three weeks? Yeah, this is... Uh... This is the last of eight podcasts in three weeks, plus the Grease ones, obviously. So, yeah, we've spoken far too much uh, to each other recently. Yeah, I was thinking, I am. I think I'm ready for a good. Uh, <laughs> aside from, aside from interviews, I think we can do a good break for a month and a half. Considering we've done breaks before that lasted like six or seven months before. So anyway, we should probably talk about this bumper pair of episodes because we're doing the finale and the reunion together. Mainly because we never have anything to say about the reunion, really. I don't have much to say about the reunion either. <laughs> no. So previously, the final four were sent on two conflicting missions, one pair to protect a goose from approaching gauchos and from being photographed, and another to photograph as many birds, including the goose, as possible. They then faced off in archery in a logic puzzle to determine who would get the chance to blaze into the final three and who would get to snoop on the eliminated players' mole books. Kathy and Hannah were the winners of the day, getting to see the thoughts of those who'd gone home, or alternatively, Mark's empty diary. In the end, though, Stein was sent home, leaving our final three as Kathy, Jill, and Hannah. And the final three are woken up by a band singing a song about their experiences. It is day 18 in Sierra della Ventana, and they are off on a lovely hike. This is a great first start to a final th- to a final three episode. You have to have like more of a fun challenge first. Yeah, and I'd forgotten about the song as well. I didn't. <laughs> It's one of the few things I've ever remembered about the season is the weird song they just started uh, playing outside their little cabin at Final Three. <laughs> Mainly because Jill's is like, just because it wakes everybody up and they just are stuck listening to it. And Jill's just stood there, not for the first time this season, just wearing his pants. Yeah. And what you can't see is, of course, Mark is still in the room, just huddled in his sleeping bag, just going, put some pants on, Jill, put some pants on, please. I'll sing, a sing, I'll sing a song for you if you do. And during their hike, Papavert will meet them on three separate occasions, and they can earn a lot of money, but also have an unforgettable day. And they will come with him for a private chat one by one in each place. And Hannah is the first to get an offer. She can get a massage. She'll get the massage regardless if she says yes, but they can only earn 2,000 euros for the pot if only two of them say yes. Hannah says yes, Cathy says no, and Jill says no, earning no 2,000 euros. And only a massage for Hannah. I think this is the one, it's a great challenge and concept, but it's, the mole can essentially ruin this every single time. The mole can make it just so they win nothing. Yeah, that's why they switch the order in every single round, I think. Because by this point, Kathy and Hannah are both very much on Jill. And they're both just trying to stop him taking money out of the pot now. Yeah, it's it would be a really big cheap shot to the players to be like, oh, we have this challenge where both of you know who the mole is and there's nothing to convince you otherwise, but we're just going to have them take 6,000 euros away from you. And Kathy and Jill argue, apparently Jill is sick of hiking but hates massages. And he said it earlier in the season. Yes, at least they did a flashback to be like, hey, I did tr- I did play this challenge as a player ra- rather than as a mole. At least there was that where they could do a callback saying, hey, Jill's did say that he hated massages in that final three the mole pretty much has, especially in a setup like that, unless they want to make things really unfair, they do have to play it as a contestant. Yeah, I don't think there was any actual moling in this challenge. I think it was just a, here's three people who've spent three weeks together, know each other quite well, and now let's see whether Jill can actually predict what to do to mole. I don't think there was any outright help that he got in this challenge. I think it's just him being a good judge of uh, of what Kathy and Hannah will do. Yeah. And along the way to their second offer, they see a tarantula and Jill freaks out like he's playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> Basically, if you had the sound on on the episode, you would have just heard the little scuttling noise that uh, tarantulas make on Animal Crossing and gone, oh shit, I better not have my net out. <laughs> oh crap. <laughs> when they add tarantulas into Animal Crossing? Oh god, I think they're in from the start. Really? They're an absolute ni- yeah, they're an absolute nightmare if you accidentally come across one. Because like, I've been obviously playing a lot of New Horizons recently, and it's just got to the point where tarantulas have been replaced by scorpions because of the the month. And if you run around, even if you're 
you're not paying attention to the tarantulas or scorpions at all. If you run around with your net out, they will attack, and they will attack fast, and it's really, really annoying. Yes, you have hit points. It makes you faint. If a scorpion or a tarantula attacks you, it makes you faint, and you go back to your house if you're on your island. <laughs> it's so annoying. I've played so much Animal Crossing over the years, and I have never had... I Mainly the GameCube and the Wii and DS version. I don't think I've ever seen the tarantula. Yeah, I've I've always avoided the tarantulas and the scorpions until New Horizons, and now I'm actually trying to I'm actually trying to fill my Critopedia, so I had to hold my nose and try and catch some tarantulas and scorpions. And at the second offer, Jill is the first person up. There is a showcase of prizes waiting atop the hill, and they can choose what they want up to two thousand euros, but can only keep them if two people say yes, and also earn two thousand euros. Jill says yes, he goes for movie tickets for a year, a new suit, and an e-reader. Kathy says yes, and chooses the cruise and the bike. And Hannah struggles with her decision, but says yes, and they all learn nothing again. Even though Hannah and just Kathy had a discussion about what they would do. Yeah, they haven't learnt their lessons still at this point. <laughs> they only have to work together as a two-person team, and they're such complete opposites that they still can't do it. <laughs> And interestingly, the approach to the third choice is scored with a very familiar musical cue that they use quite a lot. And it's a song called In the House in a Heartbeat from the 28 Weeks Later soundtrack. But they use it at least once a season, this song. If you googled it, you would recognise the song immediately. It's a very familiar piece of music that they use. Hmm. It's, not my, it's not by George Michael, so I, I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah, it's by Willie Summers, though. Oh, that's why. Yeah, no one's heard of it. And for the third choice... Papa Bear meets them on some train tracks, and the final offer is to go paragliding for 15 minutes with a professional. And they can do it regardless, but someone has to say no for them to win 2,000 euros for the pot. And Kathy says yes, Hannah says no, but really wanted to do it, and Gilles says yes. And they finally earn 2,000 euros of a possible 6,000. However, given how unhappy Hannah is, Papa Bear gives them the choice to give back the 2,000 euros to let Hannah fly anyway. And they say yes, and they all have a fun experience. You can tell, it, like, when people say, ah, it was more about the experience than it was about the money. This confirms that this was more about the experience than for the money. Yeah. At this point, Hannah basically went, well, I might be spending 2,000 euros of Kathy's money here, so it's my final chance to get back at her. I'm just going to take the uh, the flight anyway. Just to throw a big temper tantrum and pout the whole time. I don't get to do this, this paragliding, <laughs> sucker. But it's it's interesting that the final challenge of the South Africa season is quite similar to this in the push the button challenge where they can take money out of the pot. But it has a reward for everyone if they don't take the money out of the pot. So it's it's kind of a, a similar idea to this one, but a twist on it. Yeah. And the next day they drive themselves to the final challenge of the season, which takes place on a dry riverbed. And I'd completely forgotten about this challenge again. Papa Bear gives them time to test out some video glasses, and they will have four minutes to cross the dry riverbed and grab as many money tubes as possible, for a total of up to €7,000 for the pot. The money is only earned if they leave the riverbed within four minutes, and whoever crosses to the other side fastest will get a clue to the name of the mole. What's surprising is that this is a very unique challenge, but I have no memory of it either. Yeah, I could remember the Temptation hike quite clearly, and the fact that they end up earning no money because Hannah gives it all back to Paraglide. But I had no recollection of this challenge. Even though it was a really cool challenge, I remember originally watching it a few years ago and thinking, wow, this is a really cool concept. I don't know, you can have a camera where all you see is is from the other person's point of view and how trippy that is. (laughs) It doesn't really feel very finale-ish, though, does it? No, that's the thing. It's not epic. I mean, it's in a little fort. Like, you think, I always reference the the Vietnam final challenge with the the heist in the abandoned warehouse. Like, that's the sort of epic epic challenge you expect. Not, we're in this field in the small grid, and you're collecting a few tubes, over, and you have a four-minute timer for each person, and it's a silent challenge, and that's pretty much it. Well, that is it. That is the whole challenge. <laughs> I know we said this about the Grease season as well, but this final challenge does not feel very finale-ish. It feels kind of kind of like it should be a mid-season challenge and it isn't that epic for, for the final one. Because it should be big and bombastic. That's the thing, we expect a massive challenge at the end. 
Like it, it's it belongs in one of those episodes where there's three challenges, and this would be the one wedged in the middle. Yeah, it's basically the banana boat challenge of the finale, albeit with less Mark in a sleeping bag. Yeah, but here, yeah, it's treated as the big final thing, and the reward of whoever crosses first gets to confirm who they think the mole is. But at final three, you know, everyone is certain as to who they believe the mole is, so it's not really that useful of a of a reward. And just the way that it's just, oh, you collect a, you're going to collect some tubes and get some money rather than the high stakes heist or some other challenges where there's a big sum of money up for grabs to try and collect. Mm. The all or nothing aspect. Yes. Like I think back to the American version where they had a, a hike challenge at the end of season two that was worth $100,000, I think. <laughs> yeah, because that was the one where everyone got lost in the hillsides, wasn't it, I think? Mm-hmm. Or what was it at the end of what they do at the end of the first season of the American one? I think that was when they were in the three different rooms, I want to say, and they all had to use clues to help each other out. Or even in the celebrity mall seasons, how they had the collect the collect the money in the in the mansion challenge for Hawaii or celebrity mall Yucatan. They at least had the monster memory game to try and match the 40 pictures yeah, I'm just, and then what is and Vidim? What do they usually do for a final challenge? I'm trying to remember. It depends on the season. I know that's a stupid thing to say, but some of them are really epic. Some of them are kind of damp squibs because Vidim this year was the um, the walk of temptation over the top of the gate. Yeah, where the mole had to distract them from which box money was in. See, that's a that's a worthy one too because it's interaction with the mole as well. It's like, can you outwit the mole going into the final test? But here, it's uh, it's not a bad challenge. It's just, should this be your grand finale? Yeah, it just doesn't belong in what you'd expect a final challenge to be. And we are not criticizing at all. Because the next season we're going to cover in terms of Belgi probably has the best consistent run of challenges ever. If anything, I would have switched out the order. I would have had the hike be the last challenge of the episode. And then the other... And then the the tube challenge be the first one. I think that would have been more fitting. And then you finish off with paragliding for the season. And also, you then have a proper temptation for whether to take the money or um, or whether to, to do the paragliding, because if they don't take the money, that's literally the guaranteed part. Yeah. I agree. I think they should have probably been a different way around. But What specific challenge from this season would you have used as the final challenge? Ooh, that's a good question. It's tougher to know because there's, I mean, you need a certain number of people for a challenge, but if you could adapt a challenge to be a final three and have it be the final one, which one would it be? Maybe the slaughterhouse challenge where <laughs> whoever gets left behind has to take the <laughs> final quiz on the floor of the slaughterhouse. Chain to the wall. <laughs> Chain to the wall. And Hannah in her face paint <laughs> cooking up gruel. Maybe the pigeon cage challenge, actually. That was, that was what I was thinking, too. Because you could easily adapt that for three people. Yeah, you could easily play that with three, and it then means that the mole can't exactly sabotage, assuming that it's Kathy on one side, Hannah in the cage, and Jill on the other side. The mole can only do so much damage in that one, and then it actually comes down to whichever player is definitely free. And then they can be in constant communication with each other, too. Yeah, you can easily do that challenge with three people. I'm not saying that they should have done it with three people but that's probably the easiest one to do it with yeah and how you have the, the certain time limit and how it was also an all or nothing challenge yeah maybe bump up the um the value of that challenge and and make it an actual proper epic final one yeah i mean they did put a lot of money up for grabs in the tube challenge they did make it worth seven thousand euros yeah but it's it's not as fun a, a one to put that value on no, you kind of, yeah. It'd be a lot better if it was 7,000 euros is up for grabs. You either get get it all or you get nothing. And with if you swapped the, the pigeon cage challenge in this one, for example, then you could have two pairs running at the same time. Have one person um, be the, the caller or whatever and then um, have two pairs of people on the course at the same time and trying not to knock over each other's tubes and things. Yeah. Appropriately for a dry riverbed, this challenge is just a little bit flat. <laughs> It just needs a little bit of spice. And it's not the sort of challenge that they would do again, I would say, knowing what we know about the later seasons. Yeah, I get the feeling they weren't too thrilled with how this challenge played out. 
No, it's just a bit kind of eh, isn't it, for a final challenge? Yeah, like it's a, it's a good challenge overall. I would like to experiment with those goggles where it's where I think Jill said I feel instantly nauseous putting this on. T-Bode would probably faint. I mean, Mark could have a real a real challenge doing it whilst uh, still in his sleeping bag, wouldn't he? <laughs> Trying not to knock any uh, tubes over. Damn it! We lost another tube. So yeah. Kathy films for Hannah, Hannah films for Jill, and Jill films for Kathy. Hannah's up first, she knocks over a tube straight away and then grabs another one and ends up grabbing three. Jill is second, he grabs two tubes. And then Kathy is last up. She has absolutely no spatial awareness, despite the fact she was probably the best in the tester. She grabs one, but knocks another two over and runs out of time. And then blames Jill's for not knowing how to operate the camera. I like how he goes to Hannah and says, Hannah, didn't you see me using it? Didn't, wasn't I trying my best? <laughs> Come on, Hannah, back me up here. Yeah, I definitely wasn't mauling it. <laughs> <laughs> and Hannah's three tubes all contain 200 euros, and Jill's two contain 200 euros and 500 euros for a total of 1,300 euros of a possible 7,000 for the challenge, 1,300 of 13,000 for the episode, and 30,790 of a possible 107,500 for the season overall. And Hannah's time was 2 minutes 36, and Jill's was 1 minute 24, which means he's the only one who can know for certain who the mole is. <laughs> Go in there and be like, I just want to make sure I've been playing this right. I am the mole, right? I haven't been getting by through each quiz based off of pure luck. <laughs> I you mean I was contesting this whole time, so whoever was in a group with me for these challenges must be the mole. I finally figured it out. So it is, Kathy. <laughs> so, as it's the season of adapting um, logic puzzles, there is one final logic puzzle, which is that in the hotel, there are two guests who know for certain who the mole is. Jill can ask one question to one of the two guests. One will always tell the truth, and one will always lie. He has to ask the right question to work out who the mole is. And Papa Bear won't tell him which is which. And the question that he should ask is who will the other person say isn't the mole? Which, if you're a contestant, actually gets you the right answer. If not, <laughs> there's a good reason we don't see Jill's answer, put it that way. Well, because he would, he, would, he, would he would get an answer. It's like, well, I'll do the opposite of that. Oh, wait, that's still wrong. This game doesn't work when there's three of us as suspects. <laughs> Yeah, this game doesn't work when one person is the mole and that's the person asking the question. Yeah. And they're, they'll get an answer. Like, they already get the wrong answer to begin with from each person. It's just you can't do the... It's not a this or that scenario. There's that third factor of me being the mole. And for some reason, after this challenge, we see everyone getting ready for the final dinner, including Hannah getting into the shower. It's all a bit weird. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole theme of Hannah being in the shower this season. There hasn't been this many shower scenes for one person since Janet Lee and Psycho. Good movie reference. <laughs> <laughs> Which was also referenced on a season of The Mole. The first American season, they did a whole theme off of Psycho. And then we get our final interviews with everyone. Kathy says that she chose to be so competitive, and she's not really a dick. Hannah says she struggled with losing people every few days. And Jill says his only regret was the 11 Yokers game, as he went a bit too hard on it. What's funny is that that's the same thing he says as the mole, too. Well, yeah. Yeah, this is taken straight out of his mole confessionals, is the fact that he probably did play a little bit too hard on the 11 Yokers game. Yeah. And Hannah says she got this far by making friends and played differently to Kathy and Jill. And then everyone denies that they're the mole. And we open on day 20, the final day, with the candidates driving to the test and reveal location. And Papa Bear meets them in the mountains and wishes them all luck, and sends them off to their respective trees where the laptops await. And something really interesting about this scene is the fact that in the next time trailer in the last episode, we saw Papa Bear on top of the hills raising a flare, and we never actually see it in this episode. Maybe because there's a blooper. Yeah, I don't know. There's never actually any acknowledgement of um, why he was raising a flare. Just dances around him. Ah, ah. So it's now time for the final test. 30 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows the most will go home with 30,790 euros and will unmask the mole. And Jill says that his uh, his little challenge the day before removed all doubts on who the mole was. Hannah says she never trusted Kathy as she gave nothing away. Kathy says that Hannah was an open book and everyone trusted her. 
Hannah says that Jill is cunning enough to see things through and never stood out. Kathy says Jill disorientated her in the last challenge by zooming in on her feet and then zooming out right after. Jill points out Hannah's tendency to solve puzzles after the time runs out. <laughs> I like how that was even a running joke amongst the contestants. It's a running joke, but I love how, even though we've not seen this season for four years, the two main running jokes of the season being Hannah pointing out how to do puzzles right after uh, the time runs out and Timo saying, I definitely know who the mole is, are both referenced in the finale. <laughs> it's great. It's like, yeah, we actually do remember some of this season. And Kathy says in the 11 Yokers game, Jill ruined it for everyone. And Hannah points out Kathy's obsession with, with Evita Perone. And Jill says that Hannah lied so well at the Hippodrome Challenge that nobody knew what to think. And in a mole question that I don't think has ever been asked on any test ever, the test actually asks what the mole's blood type is. To which Kathy says she doesn't even know her own blood type. <laughs> they must have had a conversation about it if it... Uh... If it ended up on the final test. Yeah, and you've also got to think, with a question like that, there's only a limited amount of answers. So what happens if um, the final two are both the same blood type as the mole? They can't use that question then. They'd have to have had backup questions purely for that eventuality, because there's only, what, six or seven different blood types? Yeah. So in a now familiar scene, to anyone who's ever seen a Belgian mole finale before, everyone closes their laptops... And the lights on their desk turn off, and whoever's comes back on is the winner. And much to my shock at the time, it's Kathy. Really? Where? Really? Do you not remember Thanks. this? <laughs> <laughs> Do you not remember the fact that I had Kathy as my mole for most of this season? Yeah, I think I remember you. Well, you didn't. Did you tell me who you suspected while I was watching it at the time? I think I told you afterwards. Yeah, because I. And then you were surprised to me to see me say, ah. Pretty sure it's Jill's right from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I still think it's Jill's. It's still Jill's. It's Jill's. <laughs> yeah, you were updating me every episode you watched and just going, yeah, I'm still pretty, I've still got Jill on my list and I'm just thinking, Hudford Dubber, why? <laughs> I don't know what it is with Belgian Mole, but I just know how popular thinks. And the mole comes over the hill and it is Jill Van Buhl. And then there's an actual poll saying, why isn't anyone paying attention to me? This guy's a phony. This is a human being, guys. This isn't an actual mole. <laughs> I'm going back in my burrow, bitches. I'd forgotten how awkward Hannah's return to the group is as well. She just kind of slinks in and goes, congratulations, Kathy. I'm glad I, glad I went paragliding. I got something out of this experience. I'm glad I cost you 2,000 euros for my paraglide. By the way, can I set your vacation home in Greece? <laughs> and your real home in Greece? And it's also worth pointing out that following this season, Moljil ended up following Papa Bear's footsteps and won De Slimster Mens, the same year that this season aired. Really? Yes. Yeah, De Costa won it in 2013 and Vanville won it in uh, 2016. Really? So he's a smart dude. Yeah, so he's a very smart dude. I wasn't sure whether you knew that, so I'm glad I mentioned it now. Yeah, I knew about Poppin' Bear, because, well, they say in the first episode, like, yeah, this is the, this is the genius guy. The genius of Belgium. But yeah, Van Buhl won it, um, won it the very same year that this season had. How many people do they invite to compete on it? Oh, I don't know. It's about 20, I think. Are they all well-known, or can it just be anybody? No, it's all, it's all reasonably famous people. I think by this point, Van Buhl had... Um, had given up his job as a brand manager and uh, gone into TV. So he was known as the guy from the mall? Yeah. Yeah, as far as I'm aware. Because like, I think of like with uh, American or Australian television, where, like, as we know, we both, we both know that in Belgium, the mall is very, very, very popular. Meanwhile, in the States or Australia, you get maybe like one or two people at most who could say that they're known for being a reality TV contestant than... No one really knows who they are. And the only reason why, if they are well-known, is for something completely different. For instance, Stacy Schroeder is not going to be known for being on The Amazing Race. She's going to be known as the person from Vanderpump Rules. Yeah, and Kim Kardashian is not going to be known as the person from Keeping Up With The Kardashians. She's going to be known for the Ray J sex tape. Which is sadly is kind of true even to this day. <laughs> but just in terms of like being on competitive reality shows, it's not doesn't have as much of a foothold. So it's interesting to note that when they do like celebrity versions 
of different TV shows in Belgium that somebody can be on there just being known as the guy from the mole. Yes, it's quite interesting because I was researching this to find out exactly what year it was because I thought it was 2016 he won it in, but I wasn't 100%. Uh, the Dutch one has a lot of Vidim people on it as well. And obviously none of the people on Vidim are known for being on Vidim. They're all known for doing other things. But there's about two or three Dutch winners who have been on the mole. I don't think any of them have won. And in fact, De Slimster Mens in, uh, in Holland actually used to be hosted by Art, who used to host uh, Vidim. Who oh, was a contestant on Vidim? He was a contestant on Vidim, <laughs> but he, um, he also hosted Vidim for the longest time of anyone. But he, he used to host his Slimster Mens as well. It's funny with Vidim because they've only used celebrities since, what, season four or five? So they have this catalog of 150, 160 celebrities. <laughs> and, they're, they're, and Netherlands isn't a big country by any means. So it's just funny that you can only use the same pool of people to fulfill quote-unquote celebrity versions of these different shows. Like how many, how many Dutch media celebrities can there be that you can borrow to compete on all of these different things and then of course with with the mole or v is the mole you're going to need people who have some sort of iq some sort of intelligence to compete otherwise your pool of challenges you can do is going to be severely reduced like if you have a cast a bunch of idiots on a season there's gonna be a lot of puzzle challenges that just aren't going to be feasible unless you want zero zero euros in the pot by the end of the game you need people who are who can do puzzles or can do all of these different crazy things yeah you need people stupid enough to throw themselves off buildings but also people who can play scrabble against islam's demands in Deville. yeah right so we now are going to move on to the reunion because we opened the reunion with a scene i'd completely forgotten about again uh, me too i forgot that they made chills do this <laughs> I sent you the screenshot when I was watching the reunion a couple of days ago, just going, I have no recollection of this happening at all. How old are we getting? <laughs> yeah, it's become a thing that Papa Bear does test one challenge a season, and actually we didn't find out which one it was for Greece, so I'm still hoping it was the Scott Flannery Memorial one. But I had completely forgotten that they threw him off a bridge in the Ardennes. Stop coming down, guys. I'll do it myself. And like the fact that the... The production team, even though they've not actually filmed the show by that point, are already starting giving him shit for having a small penis. How did we forget this? I don't know. Uh, so we opened the reunion with Papa Bear testing out the bridge challenge from the premiere. Instead of doing it in exotic Argentina on the Cabo Corral Reservoir, which German Mole also used, he is in the freezing Ardennes, and he 100% does not want to do it. And they do actually, in a wonderful scene, they do mock up the approach to the reservoir like they did in the uh, the premiere with the ten unknown Flemings went on a mystery trip bit. But instead of the candidates hanging off the bridge, it is, of course, Papa Virgil de Costa. And interestingly, they seem to have got the army out to watch over him. There's a full-on, like, army presence, and that is confirmed in the credits. Or, or I like how he freaked out over, over when he saw the ambulance, too, where he's asking, why, why is there an ambulance here? How temporary is this job? <laughs> maybe, just maybe, jumping into freezing cold water in the Ardennes in October is not the best of ideas for your health. Well, like we've both been to Belgium in May for the finale last year, and my God, was it cold there in May. And I'm from Canada. <laughs> it wasn't as cold as it could have been. I was still in a short sleeve shirt, so therefore it was probably above 10 degrees. <laughs> Yeah, but I just remember like once once nightfall happened, I was thinking both 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 nights. I was thinking, man, this is not the weather I was expecting for <laughs> for May. Yeah, I've been in Stockholm in March when it fell to minus six in the evenings. That was cold. So the ten candidates meet up in Ghent to watch the finale together, which would never happen anymore. They all have to social distance. Mm-hmm. And Mark is a Ruth, Manuela, and Stein who doesn't want to pull a Tibo, but he's 100% certain all think that it's Jill. And Bruno and Tibo, who is 100% Zeka, say that it's Hannah. And nobody believes it when Kathy is revealed as the winner, and it takes them a good few seconds, and none of them really want to congratulate her, let's be honest, after her behaviour in the season. I like how Bruno nearly falls out of his chair. No, Bruno nearly falls out of his chair and then pulls an Ingrid and breaks something. <laughs> Muscle tough. He smashes a glass like he's in the Greek season. <laughs> Opa! 
So in 2015, they launched a casting call for the newest season of them all. And it looks like Papa Bear did his uh, intro video from Harlong Bay. <laughs> did you notice that? They showed a little clip of uh, Papa Bear saying, the mole's coming back and we want you to join it. But it looked like he was uh, on a boat in the middle of Harlong Bay at that point. He was just on vacation? Yeah, I would assume so. <laughs> and more than 3,000 people applied, 120 were interviewed, and from that, nine became contestants. And then we get a recap on all the contestants using bits from their audition videos. So Ruth says that just being there is nice. She doesn't pay attention, so she will go quickly. At which point they snap cut to her bomb exploding and getting covered in paint. <laughs> there is a lot of brilliant comedy in this uh, this scene, which is why I've got to go through it in forensic detail. And Mark says he can sometimes be crude, but never mean it hurtfully. <laughs> at which point they cut to him talking about staying in a sleeping bag and not having to touch Jill in a bed. Manuela says she has no patience with people who are complaining, and we see her snap with everyone on Chain Gang. <laughs> Isabel says she talks too much, at which point we see her play Go to Hell. Tivo <laughs> says he sends people in one direction. We see him drive blindfolded and nearly kill people. Bruno says that he's someone who will take a stand for the group, and we see him play the 11 Yokers game. Stein says people form a bond quickly, and we see everyone but Ruth hug. Hannah says that she talks too much when she's in a group, but if she needs to be quiet, she can be, and we see her hide the exemption at the Hippodrome. And Kathy says that she's very competitive and always goes 100%. At which point there is just a montage of Kathy being a complete <laughs> bitch to everyone. And I will say, as much as I've obviously teased her all season, Kathy is an amazing contestant and she's by far the highlight of this season for me because there has never been anyone like Kathy. There will never be anyone like Kathy again. But oh my god, is she intense. I forgot. Well, especially when they talked to the three of them after the reveal and they're just reflecting on how the other two played, which was actually really fascinating to hear from all their perspectives. Uh, how Hannah's like, well, how I did well at the game is I made relationships with people and that's how I got my information. So I got to rule out who was the mole very quickly and figure out who the mole is. Meanwhile, with Kathy, no real social bonding or interactions at all. She just used essentially like algorithms and all these little tips and rules and data just just endless amounts of data to figure out who the mole would be. And, and the list of like 14 or 15 rules she had in her book. Yeah, I don't think there could have been a more interesting pair of people to be the final two with the mole than Hannah, who plays completely socially, and Kathy, who plays completely logically. And Kathy's obviously seen a lot of Vidim because pretty much every one of her rules is something that people have said or learnt in the Vidim season. Stuff like no tunnel busy. St stuff like follow the money, which was on her rules. Trust nobody in big capital letters. <laughs> it trust nobody, which she would have seen the Vidim season that trust nobody's from by that point, so that's probably what that was a reference to. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at Kathy's rules, pretty much all of them come from Vidim logic. And then you just have Hannah, who, let's be honest, has probably never seen an episode of them all before going on to them all. And just plays it how she thinks she should, which is purely socially, making the bonds. If people go home, she knows exactly who they suspected, and she can rule people out as a result of it. If you replayed the season, like, another ten times or so with the same group of people, you'd probably get Hannah and Kathy in the final three almost every single time, even if you switch out who the mole is. Yeah, because they are the two people who epitomise the ways you can play the mole. And it's brilliant for a reboot season, going into the season wrap-up bit of this. It's brilliant for the season that they can have those two kind of titans face off in the finale and set up the rest of the seasons of this show. Because you never have anyone as intense as Kathy and as kind of laser-focused and rule-focused as Kathy, And you never have anyone really as socially adept as Hannah. Yeah, I was just thinking, the two strategies are so... they. They're so successful in their two extremes of strategies that the final quiz, it had to come down to a double tie. That's how parallel and just how much they achieved their success on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, in the pantheon of mole people, lots of people will talk about Kathy as kind of being this iconic boss bitch who rules the season and the entire season essentially is framed around her. I know I've been talking about this as we've been going along, but the first four episodes were all Kathy's world and we are living in it. Then the next two were all kind of Jill's world and we're living in it. Episode seven was kind of the story of Hannah and learning to think for herself rather than worry about the social bonds and cutting Stein when she needed to to ensure that she got to the final three. 
the first time she gets blood on her hands, to borrow a popular reality TV term. Yeah, there's no real narrator for episode eight because it it is just kind of wrapping up these stories. But you don't realize when you watch the season going along until you rewatch it, like we have, that it is these two kind of titans of of the game and how to play it facing off, and it is so close in the end that it's only Kathy's intensity and speed that wins it for her in the end. Yeah, like it really that final quiz. I mean, you guess you guess Jill's blood type and you win the game. <laughs> you have a one in three chance of winning the game purely by guessing Jill's blood type, and if you know your own, you can rule it down to a one in two shot. <laughs> just imagine somebody just takes out a vial of blood during the final test. Oh yeah, thank God I kept a vial of each person's blood in my bag. The thing is, the final test was not timed, so if they wanted to go and get a blood test done, in theory, they could have done. <laughs> yeah, if they knew it was going to be a tie, they're like, man, i got to get my blood drawn <laughs> just so I can rule out it, just so I can increase my odds. Or even better, if Kathy had just kind of turned around and shouted, Jill, what's your blood type? <laughs> and then we get to... It's, it was great to see... That Jill said a lot of growing pains as the mole during the season. Yeah, because imagine being in Jill's position of being the first mole in 16 years on this show. Completely different production crew, too. Yeah, and knowing that this show was such a phenomenon before that it got cancelled so that they wouldn't dilute the brand. That is a massive weight to carry. And just how early on with the llamas, he's like, well, they for sure failed. I'm going to do really well on this. Oh, I won the most money. (laughs) (laughs) Hotford, don't worry. And then, what was the other one that he said? Oh, with the the slaughterhouse challenge. He's like, I didn't expect they'd make uh, everyone be released who uh, I assumed would take the exemption first. I guess he didn't really find his groove until the radio challenge. That was the first one where he started to get the hang of how to sabotage. Yeah, it was about episode five where Jill really found his groove and started properly sabotaging. It's kind of why you feel like if you rewatch that episode, you go, this is really just Jill's story completely now. Yeah, and then you realize, huh, this is the exact point where they stopped earning money for the pod, and that's because Jill suddenly found his way to just sabotage everything and still remain relatively undetected. No additional people onto him. No. So as you said, in the chain challenge, Jill wanted to remind everyone that it was just a game for an exemption, and he wanted to stay with the people who would take an exemption so it would stand out less if he took it. But Stein and Hannah pressured him to go early. Stein was a thorn in his side, winning a lot of cash, as we said earlier in the season, and he only opened his mouth when he had something to contribute. Stein says that Jill used deodorant to hide his scent for the t-shirt challenge, but it had the opposite effect of it making it really easy, and that being the first t-shirt <laughs> yeah. they put on there. That was like the peak of Jill's, of Jill's thinking, damn it, why can't I sabotage anything properly? Or the painting challenge where he's like, Bruno and T-Builder never didn't get the other two's, two people's paintings, especially Kathy's. So he does his best, and then Bruno and T-Builder are able to solve it. <laughs> and uh, he thought Manuela had caught a bankrupt llama, so he tried his best in the llama challenge, but she didn't, and, and it ended up with him earning the most money. He didn't know the solution to the family tangram, so it's genuine enthusiasm when he won. And his mum said to him, "If you're the mole, don't come home." Oops. <laughs> then the next day, they in the after the the day after the reunion, they cut to Jill's stuff being like thrown out of the thrown off the balcony and onto the curb down below. Ma, what are you doing? <laughs> and as the season was airing, Kathy got trolled on Twitter, and Hannah got accosted in the street after the Hippodrome challenge. You're a liar. Well, I like how on a season of The Mole, where, where, or just any season of The Mole, where the whole premise is one person is sabotaging and lying to the other, to the entire group, and then people get upset because somebody lied. <laughs> yeah, but people are crazy on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense why Kathy has pretty much disappeared off of social media. If you go to her Instagram, I may or may not, not have creeped her Instagram, and she has not posted anything since 2018. I don't blame her, given that she did come across as being a bit crazy in this season. I'm sure that's just competitive Kathy, but she was very heavily featured in a lot of these episodes. Well, just think with Hannah, when I, we didn't know, but we didn't learn about this 
this about Kathy during the season, but Hannah's like, I can't play the way that Kathy plays. She has three diplomas. <laughs> like Kathy is really highly educated, and which means uh, like you have to be like it's tough enough for people to suffer through four years of school to get one diploma. So she probably like did a double major and just did all of this intense schooling and was just probably focused on the career that she wanted for or the careers that she wanted for a long time. Like that's somebody who is driven if you can get three diplomas. Yeah, I understand why Hannah was so scared of facing uh, facing Kathy in the final because Kathy is a quizzer. Kathy is a test taker. You do not compete against somebody like that in the final. No. That's why she was like, oh, do I tell if do I tell Stein who the mole actually is? Because Stein probably doesn't have three diplomas and hasn't dedicated like I'm gonna guess like 25 years of their well, Stein might Stein's not even 25. Kathy's probably done done more tests and spent more time taking quizzes and tests and exams than Stein has been alive. Yeah, the one thing I will say about that, though, is that Stein is an engineer. He has taken a few tests in his time as well. Yeah. Well, it's only one diploma. <laughs> yeah. Hannah would have had a better chance against Stein, but that's also not saying much. <laughs> maybe maybe in engineering school you learn everyone's blood type. So, in the biking challenge, Jill knew the question beforehand, so what to memorise, but needed to make sure he was in the chapel. This is also the first challenge where Kathy suspected him, which was episode two and he tried to pedal on the right-hand side of the road to avoid the signs, but Bruno spotted them and called them back. And she'd already discounted Tibbo by that point. It couldn't be Bruno because of him pulling them back to the sign, and Mark and Manuela were way back, so that only left one person sabotaging that challenge, which was Jill. However, because she'd set herself up as being so untrustworthy, Jill went into the chapel, and she struggled with Tunnel Vizzy at that point. In the metro, he needed to run, and he trained hard beforehand to ensure that he could actually run it in time, and he decided to just hang around at the station just in case everyone else won and he could just miss the uh, the metro. He convinced Bruno to sabotage with the sandwich so they could, quote-unquote, go to the finale together. And when Bruno came up with a plan for the 11 yokers, it scuffered his plans and sabotaging was hard, so he decided to try and keep talking and run the timer down, but went a little bit too hard with his negotiation tactics. Kathy says that she was waiting to see what Jill said so that people suspected her too. And when did Hannah suspect Jill's? I don't think it was ever actually mentioned. Was she just on to him from the beginning then? No, I think it was probably more of a slow burn with Anna. I don't think there was a particular moment where she decided that he was the mole, but it was just kind of, it can't be everyone else. Well, yeah, because she was saying how she was able to rule people out as the game progressed. I'm guessing Jules was always one of her two suspects, probably from the beginning, and was able to say, definitely not this person, definitely not that person. Maybe by like episode four, she was probably pretty certain. Yeah, I think it was more of a slow burn for Hannah, which is why we didn't officially find out. But Kathy was on to him from episode two. That's pretty impressive. And there were also hidden hints. There was a picture of Kathy right before the credits. But when the word mole first appeared, you heard Jill for the first time. Every time someone went home, Jill wore an item of clothing the next day with the same colour as their mole book. After the Apostle Challenge, Jill paid homage to Judas by spilling the salt at dinner that evening. And he did the same in the 11 Passfragen game. In the silent interrogation game, two clips are played in Papa Bear's introduction, one of Jack from Titanic and one of Arnie from the film Junior. Jack and Junior are Jill's middle names. In episode 7, Jill's thumbnail at the execution was slightly different. If you play it as a maze, it's inescapable, unlike the normal thumbnail. And in episode 8's opening song, it begins with a G-flat, or in Dutch, a G-mole. Jill's playlist also had hints. Each episode had one song which referred to a challenge. I don't have much to add about the hints. <laughs> no, I mean, we say this every single time we do a reunion episode. The hints are all right. The hints are kind of a, a head-slapping moment when you're watching them, but we can't really do them justice on a recap podcast, I'll be honest. I like how when they were talking to all the eliminated people, Stein's like, I'm, what did he say? Was He's like, I'm pretty sure Jill's is the mole, but I don't want to pull a T-boat. I like how even for them that was a running joke. <laughs> yeah. And Kathy decided that she was going to share her winnings with anyone else who unmasked them all. As that was only Hannah, she gives her a cheque for €5,000 to buy a new sticker machine. And she says she's going to pay for a party for everyone in Greece. She's donating some to a refugee charity and saving the rest for her kids to travel like she did. And Isabel also hands out two gifts, one to Hannah and one to Kathy. And they are sweatshirts. Kathy says, hashtag housewife with a maid. 
And Hannah's, of course, says hold my poodle. <laughs> and everyone ends the episode in a caravan giving confessionals about Gilles as a mole, or in the case of Gilles, his last confessional as mole. Should we very briefly go over who everyone suspected? So Kathy and Hannah were the only two who have suspected Gilles. Ruth suspected Kathy, and she was sure of it. Mark suspected <laughs> Tibbo from day one. Manuela was on Kathy as she was born for it. Issa focused on Bruno, and she thought it was his strategy to talk about personal things. Tibbo knew who it was, and that was Bruno. He was convinced in Sustalinus Grandis. Bruno suspected Kathy as she was always at challenges which failed, and Stein went home suspecting Kathy. Kathy drew a whole lot of suspicion. What was that, five executions? Or four? Yeah. That's almost, that's what, I'm trying to think of who's been suspected more in a season. Maybe Ruben and Vidum, Georgia? Yeah, because Ruth, it was Ruth Manuela, Bruno and Stein all went home suspecting Kathy. And then Mark went home suspecting Thibaut and Iza and Thibaut went home suspecting Bruno. I like how Mark goes home for suspecting Thibaut. Like there was three or four general suspects for the season, then you throw in one Thibaut in there. <laughs> it's classic Mark, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, wow, he was way off. Granted, in I mean, in the Greece season... We see, what, six people suspect Bruno in that season. That guy goes home second. <laughs> yeah. The great thing is that, spoilers for German Mole, because you've not watched it yet, um, when they hand out the Mole books, they also give everyone a personalised pen just to stop a Mark thing happening. Oh, just so somebody takes at least one note? <laughs> yes, just so nobody has an excuse not to take any notes. <laughs> what am I going to do, write my own blood? So, that is the end of our actual season coverage. Yeah, that's the end of the old Belgian Mall. So, we now need to kind of talk about the season as a whole, I think, if you've got anything else to say. No, I really don't. <laughs> After eight hours later. <laughs> yeah, eight hours later, we are um, we are hanging up the Argentina, the Argentina recaps. It's a really interesting season to go back and rewatch i would say because the casting is so much different to the rest of the belgian seasons the um they had the challenges pretty much down from from day one which was great papa bear was on fire from day one like you look at the contrast between him and the german hosts and it's like night and day well you even throw in rick in there too from vidim yeah, I don't like to shit on Rick that much, though, because I feel bad that he is actually quite nice. He's just not good on them all. Um, but Papa Bear is such a good host. And I know this just sounds like us kissing ass, because, you know, obviously, if you've ever heard our Belgian Mole recaps before, we do love talking about how Gilles de Costa is the best host of anything ever. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Even before we befriended him on the podcast, he was my favourite host of anything ever. And Logan will attest to the fangirl reaction that Jill got off air when we were recording with him, and also Logan got when um, when he told me that Jill had actually messaged him. <laughs> I am very bad with hiding uh, hiding how excited I was to speak to Jill DeCosta because he is my favorite host of anything ever. Because he's so good at it from minute one, and this season just proves it. And the worst thing is, he's better at it in South Africa. South Africa is like the pinnacle of Jill being a complete shit to people, and it's delightful. 12, 12.01 a.m. Let's do a challenge. <laughs> the, <laughs> I can't wait to discuss the Drunk Museum Heist Challenge. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> but yeah, if you ever rewatch this season, if you've already watched it and you've kind of just been listening along for funsies, or if you've been watching it at the same time that we've been talking about it, if you ever rewatch this season, just pay attention to Stein making so much money, Kathy being a boss bitch, Jill just being a sneaky little shit in the background. But also, Papa Bear Gilles de Costa, if you consider that this was the first one of these he'd ever hosted, and he's so good from second one of minute one, and I know he has a great production team around him, but they have just on fire with this show already, one season in, and it's continued for the next four years. I like how... Jill's being the mole, it wasn't just establishing a rhythm for himself during the season, but it was just as much of establishing a rhythm for the production crew, because as we'll see in subsequent mole seasons, the mole, whoever the mole is, has a much better idea of how to conduct themselves right from the very beginning. Even with Elizabeth in the 
in uh, Vietnam where she's not even picked until on site and she has an easier time sabotaging right from the beginning in contrast to Jill's who had months of planning. The production crew just didn't know exactly where to position him or what information he needed or didn't need to succeed in the challenge. His version of succeeding. This season was basically 90% there and they perfect it straight away from South Africa. And I am so excited to close the book on this one, go through VSML 21, and then hit the ground running with South Africa because they start at 11 and they do not stop for the entire season. It's, as we mentioned last week, it's not necessarily a season that is big on the characters, although Logan's boyfriend is in the cast. It's more a Jesus. I'll just wait. I've got so many of those jokes. Can we just? Can I just take an aside to say that I have been dating? I, I have been in a relationship with a woman for the past year. That's what you're telling us. But I've seen the pictures of you and Davy. Just saying. And it's not. And she's not Belgian. She is from the Philippines. Maybe they'll use that as a. Lo- maybe they'll use the Philippines as a location. It's extreme. It's actually very possible. But. Yeah, it, even though it's got Logan's boy toy in the cast, it's not really a, a season that is as big on characters as Argentina, but it is a season where every challenge is bonkers. In the space of just a few episodes, you have the Drunk Museum heist, the iconic sat-nav game, the tricking people into thinking that there's a live lion in a cage with them, the ostrich maze. They're just the ones I can think of off the top of my head. There are a few duff ones. I mean, the caravan sleep test, I won't be kind to. I'll warn you now. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a memorable one for weird reasons. I'm going to watch you sleep. Yeah, there aren't a lot of um, challenges that I'm going to be shitting on that much in that season. And it's going to be a really fun one for us to cover. I'm so excited already. All right. I think that does it for me. Yep. I think that does it for me as well. So closing the book on Argentina now. Thank you for listening to our final Demol Belgium recap of the season. We'll be back very soon to discuss VSML 21 before returning to look back at the South Africa season of Belgian Mole. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors or you can email us on contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at LogSuperQuacky and I'm MJ Houndstone. See you soon. Peace out and just chill till the next flavoring.